Okay, awesome. Hey, it's good to see everybody tonight. We're going to have a good time worshiping. Uh, we've got some special guests with us, but I'm going to let them uh, tell you about that when they get up in a little while. Uh, hey, don't forget Saturday at 5, we're going to have our, our revival weekend. Uh, we're thinking about doing that once a month. Every time there's a first Saturday of the month, that, that first Saturday, we'll do Saturday, Sunday as a revival weekend. And uh, we're just going to have a good time. But you know what's so cool about Revival Weekend is first, Sunday worship, uh, first Wednesday worship is right after that. So that means we get a Saturday and a Sunday. In a couple days, we get worship again. So we get to push through and, and really just have some fun, you know, praising the Lord and, and uh, being in his house. Amen. So, so listen, so we're going to be doing that Saturday at 5. Tell people about it. We're going to come in here like we normally do. We'll, you know, social distance, wear a mask when we come in. All the, we know what we're doing now. Uh, can I tell you, though, I, I talked to somebody the other day. I was walking into Walmart. I had my mask on, right? I got my mask sitting right here. And they, they called me. I was talking to them. I said, did they cancel the mask order? No, why? Man, there's about 30 people walking in out of Walmart. And ain't nobody got a mask but me. And I'm like, and I don't like my mask. And they take theirs off. I was not happy. But I kept it on. I kept it on. I just about suffocated myself, but I kept it on. And then I saw people with a mask, and I felt better inside. <sighs> yeah, I know. So, hey, listen, I'm not laughing about it, but it is funny. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep doing this. Let's keep praying because there are people getting sick, and we need to pray for them, and we need to love on them because and, and, some people have to have a mask. Say, let's keep doing that, guys. Let's keep praying for our community. Let's pray for our nation, our leaders, because remember, none of them have ever gone through this, right? Pray for our parish leaders because they've never gone through this either, and, and our teachers. Can you imagine the stress on our teachers going back to school this year? Not only that, uh, generally they have, what, about 40 screaming kids in their class, now they're going to have 20 screaming kids, and they have to do online teaching. Jesus, it's going to be interesting. So Bentley's going to be going back to school. Hallelujah. He looks excited. <laughs> That's all right. You excited to go back to school? No, not either. Okay. Anyways, all right. So listen, guys. So, so we're going to worship tonight. We're going to have a good time with that. Uh, don't forget also that we do have our uh, offering trays outside. Uh, is the Lord, you know, we bring our tithe to the, to the Lord, right? We know that. The Word teaches us to bring our tithe to the storehouse. And we give on top of that as the Lord prompts to us. And so we have the offering tray set outside. But you can give online as well, uh, newlifeag.church. You can, you can do that. I know a lot of people are using that nowadays with, with the coin shortage. I haven't really seen any coin shortages, but uh, I don't carry cash anyways. <laughs> so it doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, so, uh, other than when I went to the store the other day, their card machine was broken. It was really kind of a hassle, but, uh, anyways, you know, so, uh, just, just make sure you're, you're giving as the Lord prompts you to, amen? Let's make sure we're doing that. So, we're going to open up in prayer, and then I'm going to get up there and get ready to do some worship. Can we do that? So, Lord, we, we thank you for what you're doing in this place, and God, tonight, we just pray that you would have your way in this service. Lord, we know you're here already. And, Lord, I come against the hindrances that would try to stop what you're doing in the name of Jesus. I come against them right now. The, the distractions that the enemy would try to bring, we, we bind you in the name of Jesus, and we release freedom in this place. Freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Whew. Jesus. Mm. Be upon our guests tonight, Lord, with the anointing. I know you've called them and you've anointed them. Let the gifts freely flow in this house tonight, Lord that we may experience what it is you're doing through them and through their ministry. But, Lord, I pray right now for any that are here or any that are watching online, Lord, as they, they may have a sickness in their body of some kind. Lord, I speak healing over them right now in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I speak peace over their homes. 
And Lord, I thank you that that we're still able to give. We're still able to, to sow into the kingdom. And I pray a blessing over those that are able to. And Lord, those that are not able to, I pray that you would make a way that they could. Lord, bring finances into their hands as well. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you agree with that, we'll say amen tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, so we've got our guests here tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm going to let them do all the introductions and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but I just want to, you know what I normally do, I, I just want to let them, guys, listen, I know you're anointed. I know you're called. I know God has put gifts upon your life, spiritual gifts to be used. Please use them in this house. Like I told you before, the only ceiling is that one right there. There's no spiritual ceiling in this house. So have your way to minister in there. I'm going to set the mic over here in case you need it. And uh, feel free to speak up if God's speaking to you. We kind of want that. Yeah. So, and we're going to have a good time worshiping. Amen. Come on, let's stand up tonight. Get my ears on so I don't have to stop in the middle of the song and put them. We don't put that one up there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, guys. Jesus. Oh, this feels like an interesting night, doesn't it? Feels like an, it's, it's like it's there, but it doesn't want to be, you know? I don't know. It's kind of an interesting night. Let me get rid of the shoes, though. They got to go. They got to go. They got to go. It's like I'm not having enough fun yet. I don't know. I don't know. Let's just stay here for a second, okay, guys? I'm just going <laughs> to. Jesus. Father, we just, I don't know, Lord, it just kind of feels like an interesting night tonight. Lord, maybe it is that, that, that we've got an agenda tonight. I know me, I like to have things that at least we understand what's going to go on. Lord, I, I just pray you have your way even with my agenda. We know there's certain things we want to do, but God, we, we've come in this house to worship you. We've come in this house to hear from you, God. We come in this house to have an experience with you, Lord. Lord, we know we read your word and we pray and we, we know that you are real, but Lord, we, we like to have a touch. There's some of us tonight that are just tired. Some of us are maybe even bound up by things. And Lord, I just release a freedom over them tonight. I release freedom in the name of Jesus.
Just the voices. How great is my God, my God. Sing with me. How great is my God. Oh, we'll see how great. How great is my God. Now that you got it, come on, sing it like you mean it. 
Come on, I want the world to see how great he is. How great is my God. Sing with me how great is my God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is my God. Give him praise tonight, church. Come on. Hallelujah. I think we can do better than that. Like, you know, we did better for that when LSU won the championship. Jesus. Come on, turn and give somebody a spiritual high five tonight before you sit down. And tell them he is worthy. I know, we just getting warmed up, ain't we? I know. I, I know. One day we're not going to have to worry about that anymore, Matt. Hallelujah. We just warmed up now, so we, we could have given all night long, but oh I told my head one if you need okay. You need this or okay. Yeah, I don't preach from a podium up there, man. I, I don't know. It liberated me a long time ago. Oh no, I no, I put my iPad right there. I don't yeah, it liberated me when I did that. <laughs> you know, I, I love that song, How Great Is Our God. It just has no ending. You just can't end that thing, man. How can you stop singing how great he is? So we're always up there like, where are we going to end tonight? We have no clue. It's just going to happen organically, we think, because nobody knows how we're going to end that song, man. But anyways, okay, I'm going to stop. I want to give them plenty of times to, uh, to, to minister tonight. So we've, we've got our guests again. Uh, they'll explain some things to you, and I'll tell you some more things after service. But uh, guys, you come up and minister tonight, and uh, just, just have your way, man. Have fun. We like to have fun here if you haven't figured that out already. And, um, yeah, we preach sometimes with those. I did wear good socks, though. Uh, not my holy socks. <laughs> so y'all come and minister. I'm going to let y'all do all the introductions, and, and Rollins going to put the stuff. So. Thank you. All right. Well, good evening, guys. How we doing? Doing all right? Got to lift this up where I can, I can see it. Um, yeah. So, you know, Pastor, he's done a really good job. Um, and he's intentionally not said our names or kind of who we are, and, and that's for a reason. It, it's because we're some of your Louisiana AGWM missionaries, and the place that we serve at is a bit sensitive. And so since we're going live tonight, um, we're just going to keep names and locations out of it, and we're just going to tell you about some good stuff, about some good stuff. I don't know about you, but, man, I just can't hardly turn the TV on. I just can't hardly, I can't stomach any more of it. And I know it hurts God's heart, too. So as I was kind of getting ready tonight, that's, that's just sort of something the Lord put in my heart. He was like, man, but I'm doing something great. Jesus is still at work. He absolutely is. He is still at work. And so as we share tonight, or as I get to kind of share a little bit about what we do, that's what I'm going to focus on, that God is at work in ways we can't always see, but he is always working. We've been serving Muslim peoples since 2005, and we can confidently say in that, in that 15 years of service that now is the time for harvest in the Arab world. 
more Muslims have come to Jesus in the last 20 years than they have in the previous 15 centuries. And it's incredible. What is happening now is because of those who have gone before. It's because of the prayer that went before. It's because of people who went to the places where we now serve for years and years and never saw anyone come to faith. It's because they picked up the rocks out of the field, right? And there was somebody who came back in and plowed. And there was somebody else who came and seeded and watered, and God is now bringing increase. Where we serve, we get to serve as international church pastors. And our three international churches are made up of people from all over the world who need a local church. And it's within the local church that many people come to Christ. It's where people are saved. It's where they're baptized. It's where they're equipped for the work that God has called on their life. Think for a moment about what this local church means to you. What does it mean that you have a place right here in Marksville where you can come and you can worship together and be edified with one another, where you can flow in the gifts of the Spirit, where you can have the Lord minister to you and equip you so that you can go out to a hurting world and take him with you? The local church is God's vehicle for seeing the gospel spread around the world. And we have the honor of serving in a church much like yours. We have ministry to children and ministry to men and women, and it's through our church that we also have an online Bible school. In the place where we serve, it's the kind of place where we're probably, in, in the near future, we're not going to have a brick-and-mortar, you know, biblical theological seminary. It's, it's not going to happen. But we have an online Bible school, and that's a place where seeking Muslims who have questions about Jesus, they can come and they can take courses about your new life in Christ and who is Jesus and what does the Bible have to say about your eternity. It's a place where our new believers can be discipled through systematic study of God's word. And it's a place where our mature believers can be further equipped for ministry. They can take Berean courses and become credentialed ministers. It's a place also where they can get undergraduate degrees in Bible and theology and just be ready for what God would have for them. The country where we serve is 99% Muslim. There are more than two dozen unreached people groups within that country. Many of them are frontier people groups. That's just a term that means that there are so few Christians in that people group that there is no way that someone will ever receive a witness for Christ unless somebody crosses that cultural boundary and goes to them. It's a place that has never, ever, ever had a historical national church. That means that historically there have never been enough Christians in this country to organize themselves into any kind of fellowship and strategize how to go out and make disciples until now. Now we're getting to the good stuff. We are getting to witness the birth of a national church. And this miracle begins with one man and the power of God's written word. About 25 years ago in our country, there was a Muslim man who was reading a foreign magazine. And as he was reading the magazine, he came upon an advertisement that had been placed there by a ministry. And this advertisement was about Jesus. And this man was a bit annoyed at the advertisement. And so he wrote this ministry a letter listing all the reasons why they were wrong about Jesus and then kind of challenged them to answer his questions. So he mailed off that letter. And the ministry, they responded to him, but they didn't answer any of his questions. They just sent him the book of Luke. And so he read the book of Luke. 
Well, after reading the book of Luke, he had even more questions for them to answer. So he wrote them another letter, right? You can kind of see where this is going. He wrote them a letter. He mailed it off. This is 25 years ago. So this is in the day when you mailed off a letter, and then you had to wait weeks for this to come back, right? He mails off his letter with more questions, and the ministry, again, they respond to him. But they don't respond to any of his questions. They just send him the book of John. And so he read the book of John. That's right. And after reading the book of John, he gave his life to Jesus. As time went along and he was discipled, in about 2015 or about 2010, the Lord gave this guy a burning vision and a burden to reach his countrymen. And so at that point, he and his wife, who was also a believer, began to minister to Muslims. And then they began to organize new believers into churches. And then they began to raise up leaders to then pastor those churches. Four short years later, in 2014, there were now 14 house churches under his leadership, and they applied for membership to the World Fellowship of the Assemblies of God, and they became an Assemblies of God fellowship in our Muslim-majority country. Today, that fellowship has 47 house churches, and this is the beginning of a national church. Their main outreach is through media, through social media. They produce content and videos they share them through social media and satellite TV, and then they just wait for people to respond. And so interested and sometimes belligerent people will respond to them, and the conversation begins, and the questions about Jesus begin, and the request for Bibles begins. And once you kind of hone in on a serious seeker, then face-to-face follow-up meetings are arranged. And so last year, this emerging national church, this baby infant church, led over 3,000 people to the Lord. They gave out 5,000 Bibles in face-to-face follow-up meetings where they're answering questions about Jesus, sitting in someone's home and taking them the full scripture and giving it to them in their native language. Currently, in our country, there are thousands of Muslims who are on a waiting list for a Bible because we can't get enough Bibles into the country to meet the demand. So that's some of the good stuff that God's doing in our country. A couple of months ago, some of the guys from this national church, they were out doing some follow-up, and they finished up their follow-up with some contacts in one village, and they were going to another village, and they were going to spend the night and meet some more people the next day. And when they rolled into this little village, they hadn't made, you know, accommodations, and so they look for the first person on the street they see, and they see an elderly gentleman on the street, and they go up to him, and they ask him where they could find a hotel. Well, this man says, no, 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 don't stay in a hotel. You must come to my house. And the young guys were like, no, no, we don't want to impose, you know. And so they kind of back and forth for a while tried to convince this guy, no, just tell us where we can stay the night, you know. We're tired, we're ready to go to bed. But he insisted, no, you must come to my house. So they finally did. They went to his house. And when they walked in this house, on the table was a New Testament. Now, this is very rare. So, of course, they ask, why do you have this book? And the old man said, well, because I'm a Christian, that's why. He was very bold in his reply. And so they quickly replied, we, too, are Christian and they couldn't believe it, that, the God, that God had just led them to this guy. So they had to ask, how in the world did you become a Christian? We didn't know that there was a single believer in this town. And he said, well, 30 years ago, I was a tour guide. And two Americans had hired me to lead them around the country. And they told me about Jesus. And they left me with this New Testament. And over the years, I read that New Testament multiple times. And then one night, I was sleeping. And Jesus came to me in a dream. And Jesus just said, Come follow me so that man woke up and gave his life to Jesus 
He didn't know another single believer. He followed the Lord all those years without a no known believer, no church, nothing but that New Testament and the Spirit of God in his life. About two years ago, he said that he was visiting his daughter and he was flipping through her TV and he discovered Christian satellite TV. And as he was watching a program, he suddenly discovered that he had only read half of God's word. And he was a little bit concerned. And so he prayed, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I've only read half of your word. I didn't know there was more. Would you send me a Bible? He had no idea where he could get one. And so two years later, those guys are sitting in his living room and they reach into a bag and they pull out a Bible and they give it to this man. Who knows how many people are still waiting? You know, the, the coronavirus has affected the entire world, and our country is no exception to that. In fact, the lockdown protocols in the country where we serve have been very, very strict and severe. You have to have government permission to even leave your house. And so people have been kind of in their homes for about three months now with a lot of time on their hands. And that has sent them to the Internet. They're scared. They're confused. They don't know where to look. And they've come across a, a website putting out some media content that's offering them hope, and they've been reaching out. That national church, since the lockdown, has been overwhelmed with contacts, asking for prayer, asking for uh, information about Jesus, asking for Bibles. There are so many contacts, they have no idea how they're ever going to follow up with them. It far exceeds any that they have ever received before recently one of the pastors he was going to a house to do a follow-up visit and he was going to answer the questions for this one guy who had been writing in and so by faith he packed his inflatable uh, swimming pool in his backpack and he went to follow up with that guy and when he went into that house he found out that it wasn't just that one guy but he had assembled his whole family and so he shared Jesus with that whole family and before he left that night he baptized each one of them in their living room I can't imagine pumping up that pool, how excited you would be, right? We're going to baptize these people in their living room. It's amazing. It's amazing. I can't tell you how rare it is in our part of the world for a whole family to come to Christ at once. It just doesn't happen. It's an incredible work of the Spirit. And so what the enemy intends for harm and what looks like chaos and confusion, God is using for the glory of his name. And it's worthy of his praise. Our job in the country is just basically to kind of stay out of the way of this national church to get them whatever they need to be successful. So you've probably heard of things like Speed the Light and Light for the Lost. Well, we've used funds like that to get resources into their hands, to get those Bibles into their hands so they can take them into homes and share the gospel. We're currently in the States right now on itineration, and we're hoping to get back to our country in January. And so we would appreciate you just thinking about us and remembering us and praying for us so that we can get back there. And we've got a table in the lobby where we'll be glad to answer any questions you have and to talk to you more freely. So stop by and see us after church tonight um, where we can, yeah, we can answer any questions you might have and uh, find out how we can stay connected. All right, guys, see you after church. Church, if you, um, if you know this song, sing with me. All to Jesus I surrender all. To him I freely yield. I will ever love and trust him in.
His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I Tonight, when we were seeing, especially. I believe it was the second song when we were talking about how God would not relent until he had all of us. Over and over and over again, the Holy Spirit just kept on in my mind speaking, surrender, surrender, surrender. And so I don't know if that means some, something to someone tonight. You know, I think sometimes we, the church, is, is misunderstood that surrender is not a one-time event. At one time... I made an initial surrender to Christ, and I gave him my life, and I declared him as Lord. I declared him as my master and as my savior. But then I must also surrender to him sometimes daily, sometimes multiple times a day. So tonight, I don't know if, if that, that, that's speaking to anyone. Uh, sometimes we, we think we've surrendered something to God, and we haven't. And what I mean by that is it might be best illustrated with, with, a, with, a, with a story uh, that, that happened several years ago. When we were serving in the Middle East, I had a dear friend, and um, he, he liked to get up early, early in the morning and do his quiet time with the Lord. And his, his young daughter uh, suffered with what I guess they would call unofficially spiking fevers. You know, she'd be fine one minute, and then the next minute she's running 103, 104-degree fever. And so he said one morning, he's about 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning, he's in his living room, he's reading his word, he's praying, his daughter is laying on the couch beside him, she has woken up with one of these spiking fevers, and he said, I said, I was just calling out to God and asking God why. And he said so clearly and yet so gently, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you've never surrendered her to me. He said, well, yes, I did, Lord, I, as, as a baby, my, you know, my wife and I, we dedicated her to you. And the Holy Spirit said, Yes but you've never fully surrendered her to me. And my friend said that that morning in his living room, he said, he got out of his knees and he said, Lord, you have given me this precious child for me to raise, but she's yours completely. And I surrender her to you once and for all. And he said immediately, the fever left, and to this day she's never suffered a spiking fever. He had dedicated her to the Lord, but he had never fully surrendered her to the Lord. And if you would have asked my friend before that day, you know, is she God's? He would have said yes. But he himself, as a father, had never surrendered her to the Heavenly Father. And so I don't know. Maybe there's someone here tonight and you need to surrender something. Maybe you've dedicated something to the Lord, but you haven't surrendered it to him. I don't know. This has nothing to do with my message, by the way. <laughs> but sometimes daily, we have to surrender. To God, we must surrender to him if we want to be used by him for his glory. This evening, church, and I want to focus in for a moment on this topic of expectations. We all have expectations. And I would probably say that in the last four months, some of our expectations have shifted somewhat, Okay. But we all have expectations. We all expect certain things. We expect certain things from our spouse. We expect certain things uh, from our children. We expect certain things from our job. Uh, we expect certain things from our friends. We expect certain things from the church. We expect certain things from our pastor. We expect and have certain expectations 
of God. We all understand that we serve a great and mighty God, and we should expect great and mighty things from him. But sometimes we put a ceiling on what we can receive. Tonight the pastor talked about there is no ceiling except a spiritual ceiling. But sometimes we put a ceiling on what we can receive because of our expectations. And think about it this way. Have you ever personally prayed for a situation and God performed the miraculous and you were surprised? Or you heard about a situation and the Lord showed up in a supernatural way and you were surprised? Let's just be honest. We've, we, we've probably all been there. I've been there on more than one occasion. Why is that? Why was that? You know, right now, Mandy shared just a few stories, but right now we are seeing some amazing things happen in the supernatural on a daily occurrence in certain parts of the world. And in other parts of the world, like here, we don't hear about it a whole lot. Why is that? And over the years, talking with other colleagues, talking with other pastors, I've heard a lot of different opinions but I have to go back to God's word and I have to go back to what I believe and what God's word has instructed me. And if God says that he never changes, that he's unchanging, then I have to believe, Lord, the power that you hold, the power that you desire to release is not any less here than it is 5,000 miles away where some really amazing, supernatural, miraculous things are taking place. That greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Those people over there aren't any more special. Maybe we need to surrender a few things to him. In our years of service on the field, we think we've seen three particular areas. Where great expectation has led to an, a spiritual awakening among an unreached people group. And I firmly believe that these areas are key to bringing about a revival in any culture, in any life. These three areas are not particular to one particular people group that we've seen this take place. But I believe that if any group of people will apply these areas to their life, they will see the same things that we have been fortunate to witness in other parts of the world. And so what I want to do over the next few moments is I want us each to consider these own areas in our life. We need to do a self-evaluation tonight. That's what I'm asking, okay? And it, this is only between you and God because only you and God know the answer to your self-evaluation. One thing, I like social media in one aspect, but one thing I hate about social media is it's so easy for us to put on a different look, a different face. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen people and heard about things going on in their life and it completely floored me because what they showed on social media was completely different than what was really going on in their life. So tonight I want us to do a self-evaluation in three areas. And so I'm going to approach these three areas by asking three main questions. 
And then at the end of, our, this t- of my time tonight, I'm just going to give each and every one of us a chance to respond to the Lord's leading. So the first question I would ask tonight, the first area that I would ask us tonight is what are you expecting from God's word? What are your expectations from God's word? And what you're going to find tonight, these three areas, it's not a big theological breakthrough. But what we have seen over the last 15 years is when people of God focus in on these three areas in your life and they become very serious, we're seeing some really amazing things. So the first question is, what are your expectations of God's word? What are you expecting of God's word in your life? We know that God's word has been given to us to teach us about who God is, what he expects of us, okay, what he requires of us. God's word sustains us when we're weak. It encourages our soul. It guards us from sin. It protects us from false teaching. It lays out all the promises that God has offered to us. Matter of fact, Romans 15, 4 tells us that the scripture gives us encouragement and hope as we wait for the fulfillment of God's promises. Church, the word, God's word has the power to save us, to deliver us, to heal us, to transform us for our good, but more importantly, for his glory. And yet, and yet, oftentimes, we give his word little more than a cursory glance. And we treat it like a reference manual, allowing dust to collect. Church, I ask you tonight, what are you expecting of God's word? Do you believe it's alive, that it is powerful? You heard a testimony, more than one testimony tonight, of how God's word, with no other person Having to explain what it meant, God's word led people to him. Amen? So God's word is alive. It is powerful. It does not need us to come along all the time and explain it or lay it out. If we allow God's word to do the work that God desires it to do, it will do the same thing in our lives as well. I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Rizik. And Rizik was raised as a Muslim. He was, he was actually being trained uh, to be uh, a sheikh, a, a religious leader, an Islamic religious leader. Uh, Rizik was very uh, radical, and he was working his way up the ranks of a radical uh, terrorist organization. And I'm going to share a little more about Rizik's stories later, but the reason I want to tell you about Rizik now is because today Rizik is leading a national cell church fellowship where we used to live in the Middle East. And, and the, these group of believers that he's leading, uh, they are so convinced in the power of God's word that they haven't been able to stay stocked with Bibles. Matter of fact, uh, on, a, on a particular two-week period, they gave out over 10,000 Bibles, okay, face-to-face. These are all given to Muslims. And three particular men who were giving out Bibles, uh, they had passed through a village and were handing out Bibles just to anyone who would take one. And unbeknownst to them, a, a man who had received, and they were just New Testament, New Testament Bibles, a man who had received one of these Bibles had taken the Bible and he began to rip it up into pieces. And he began to like throw the pieces up in the air like confetti and he was mocking the Bible. He was mocking God's word. And on one, and on one of these uh, hand tosses up, his left arm became paralyzed in the air like this. 
he couldn't move it. And he was scared to death. Well, there was, there was people around him I was doing it, and they saw what he was doing, and very quickly some of them figured out, wait a minute, this happened when he started ripping up this Bible. So they went to try to find these three men who'd been giving these Bibles out and say, what in the world is going on? What did you do? Well, they actually found these three men. They were, they were actually in someone's home. And when they found them, they, you know, they, they knocked on the door, asked him to come out. They had the man with them. He had his arm up in the air, his left arm in the air. And they explained to them what had happened. And these three men looked at this man with his arm in the air, and they said, we know why this has happened. This has happened because you mocked God's word. But we also know the answer. Would you like to know the answer? And of course. <laughs> so then they told him, well, we're going to finish our conversation with these people, you know, and then we'll come back to you, all right? So I don't know how much time passed, if it was five minutes, it was 35 minutes, I do not know. But eventually they came back to this man and they said, we know what's happened and we know what the answer is. Are you interested? And he's like, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be, right? I mean, he literally could not move his arm. And they said, okay. Well, the answer is prayer. Are you okay if we pray for you? These three men who handed out these Bibles, they're all, they were all former Muslims, okay? The whole village they were in, all Muslim. And there's people, there's a crowd by now, as you can imagine, okay? And he's like, yeah. He said, okay, well, we need to explain something to you, though. If we pray for you, we're going to pray for you in Jesus' name because only Jesus has the power to heal. Now, are you okay with that? And if this Muslim was a real good Muslim, he probably should have said no. But he was scared out of his mind. So he said, sure. And so these three men, they gathered around this man, and they begin to pray for him in the name of Jesus. And during their prayer, this man was able to lower his arm. Now, why were these three men so confident? And by the way, the man whose arm was paralyzed, he's now a follower of Jesus. He experienced the power of God in his life. He experienced the power of Jesus. But why were these men so confident? Because they had spent time in God's word, and they knew that healing was available their expectations of god's word was very high the bible told them that if you pray and believe it will happen and so that's what they did they prayed they believed and this man was healed in john chapter 15 jesus tells us that if his word abides in us okay his word abides in us asking it will be done so what we need to do is we need to ask ourselves if we're spending adequate time in his word, if we're spending the time that we need so that his word abides in us. I can promise you right now, if the only time that you hear scripture is on Wednesdays or Sundays, and I don't think that's the case for this group. Most people who come to church on a, on a Wednesday night, there's a reason why, okay? But if we are not daily spending time in his word, if we are not daily meditating upon his word if we are not daily praying scripture back to him then his word will not abide in us and if his word is not abiding in us then it cannot do the transforming work in our lives that god wants to do with his word because what we will find out is as, as we abide in his word as we read about who God is, about his faithfulness, about his awesome power, about his great love for us, we're changed. Amen? We're changed. 
And what happens is the word of God begins to shape our expectations. And our expectations more and more begin to line up with his expectations. And so when we ask of him, we ask rightly. Amen. There are those rare occasions when people have come to come to Christ because they said they were in a traumatic situation. And they said, okay, Lord, if you'll answer this prayer, if you'll do this one thing for me, then I'll know you're real. But now, as followers of Jesus, we're not allowed to do that. Amen? We don't, we don't go and just make requests of him. We spend time in his word daily. We abide in his word daily. His word transforms us for our good and for his glory. Amen? So that when we ask, when we approach him, we do it in the right manner. And so, church, we must always make sure that the, the, the word of God, God's holy word, God's living word has preeminence in our life. So that we, so that when we read it, we meditate on it, we have great expectations of its power in our lives. That we will be changed. And not a one-time change, but we will constantly, constantly, ongoing process until, until the Lord takes me home. I will be changed daily by his eternal truth amen so what are your expectations of god's word the second question i pose is this what are your expectations of the holy spirit in your life what are the expectations of the holy spirit in your life you know one thing i i, I really appreciated uh, about pastor rich even before we came tonight he told us he said listen you know have complete freedom I understand that a lot of churches we go into, there's an agenda. They have to have an agenda. There has to be. We're giving the time allotment. I'm okay with that. But, I, but it is refreshing at times to, to come to those places like tonight and know that, you know, let's just have a good time in the Lord's presence. And if we're here for an hour or if we're here for three hours, it's up to the Lord. Right? I love Pastor Richard's statement at the very beginning. He said, you know, I don't want to be here if God's not in it. Amen? And I don't either. We can go somewhere else. We can go to Los Amigos. You know, <laughs> but when God shows up in our presence in a tangible way, man, there's no, there's no other place that we would rather be. In John chapters 14 and 15, actually John chapters 14, 15 and 16, Jesus gives some great teaching on the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't read those chapters lately, go back and reread them. But in John chapters 14 and 15, Jesus promises that if we will trust the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will be our comfort, will be our counselor, will be our guide. As well, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus assures us that when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will speak for us. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, this is what Jesus says. He says, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, some people might take this to mean, and even some people in the church might take this to mean what Jesus is saying, that we don't need to study, that we don't need to abide in God's word, that we simply need to rely upon the Holy Spirit. But in actuality, the Holy Spirit uses, the, uses God's word that is in us to speak the truth. We see this exact situation in Acts chapter 2. You're probably all familiar with Acts chapter 2 and what takes place there. 
day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit falls. People are baptized. They begin to speak in other tongues. And then a group of people come along and say, start mocking them and say, oh, they're drunk. And then Peter stands up, right? And he gives this powerful message. If you go back and you read Peter's message, his message is full of Scripture. Amen? Half of Peter's message is the Word of God. How could Peter do that? Because Peter... He would abide in God's word. Now, he didn't have the New Testament yet, right? He just had the law, okay? But he would abide in God's word. And so he was prepared for that moment when the Holy Spirit moved upon him and he stood up. The Holy Spirit spoke powerfully through Scripture, through Peter's life. And we're told that over 3,000 was added to the kingdom that day. What's so cool is that can happen today as well. In fact, we are seeing this happen in some places. And, you know, this might not happen in your life. You might not lead 3,000 people to the Lord in one day. Maybe you lead one. Maybe you lead two. Maybe you lead ten. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Unless we are in complete obedience to the promptings and the movings of the Holy Spirit. Unless we have great expectations for the Holy Spirit. A few chapters later in Acts 10, another great story. Here we find the story of Cornelius and the conversion and baptism of his household. And again, probably most of you know this story. But I encourage you again, if you haven't read it, go back and read it lately. It's a powerful story. But Cornelius is prompted you know, to send messengers to bring Peter to them. And so Cornelius is obedient. And he does as instructed. He does as he's led. And it says that when the men show up at Simon's house, which where Peter was at, Peter is also instructed by the Holy Spirit to go with these men. Because of Cornelius and Peter's obedience to the Holy Spirit, Cornelius and all of his household, not only are they saved, but they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Matter of fact, this is, the, this is the first evidence that the early church had that the baptism in the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all people. That it wasn't just for Jews. It was for Jews and Gentiles. Now imagine if Peter, imagine if Peter had not relied on and obeyed the Holy Spirit. But he did because his expectations were high. Several years ago where we served in the Middle East, there was a, there was a, there was a woman who had only been a, a follower of Jesus for a few months. She was very early on in her walk with Jesus and um, one, one, one day she was sitting in her kitchen with her 12-year-old son, who was also a brand-new believer of Jesus. And she was listening, they were listening to an audio recording of the Bible, of the New Testament. And her husband walks in, who was a Muslim, and when he figures out what she's listening to, uh, he, he flies into a rage. I believe it was a demonic rage, but he flies into a rage, and he grabs a knife and he tries to cut his wife's throat right there on the spot. And of course... Reaction kicks in, and she didn't go down without a fight. And so what he ended up doing was he ended up cutting her open, slicing her chest open from shoulder to shoulder. Twelve-year-old son trying to protect his mother. The father beats his 12-year-old son unconscious. And then, the, and then the, the man runs out. And, of course, there's a lot of hollering and shouting going on. And so neighbors come running in, see the situation, call for an ambulance. God spared this woman's life 
spared this 12-year-old boy's life. They spent several weeks in ICU, but he spared their lives. And after she was well enough, after her and her son were well enough to, to go home, uh, they couldn't go back to their home. Uh, they, went, they actually went to uh, her family's home, which is another miracle in itself because what had happened was very public. And what she had done is considered an unpardonable sin in Islam. To reject Islam and turn to Christ is an unpardonable sin. But miraculously, her parents, who were Muslim, let her come back home. And so she's in her parents' home, she said, and she said she's contemplating leaving her husband. And every red-blooded American would say amen, you know. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit spoke to her. He said, I want you to go find your husband, and I want you to tell him three things. I want you to tell him that you love him. I want you to tell him that his son loves him. But most importantly, Jesus loves him. Now, if I would have been that woman, I would have said, you're crazy. Because the last time that Jesus was brought into the situation, I almost died. But this brand new follower of Jesus had only been following Jesus for a few months, did exactly that. She went and found her husband, and she gave him that message. She told him those exact three things. And guess what? She said her husband was speechless. Personally, I believe it was kind of one of these Daniel and the lion dens sorts of situations where the Lord shut his mouth because he just stood there, and she walked away. Now, unbeknownst to this woman, the Holy Spirit had prompted her 12-year-old son to do the exact same thing. Again, 12-year-old boy, forget that he's been a follower of Jesus for a few months. I mean, I don't care if you've been a follower of Jesus for years. What 12-year-old boy would do that? And yet, that's exactly what he did. He went and delivered the exact same message to his father. And the father's response was the exact same as the first time. Complete silence. And the boy walked away. A few nights later, and all this took place from the first message till a few nights later when this man had a dream. It was about a span of a week. But a few nights later, this man said he was sleeping. He had a dream. And he said, in the dream, Jesus came to him. And he said, the man never said, I'm Jesus. And he said, as soon as I saw him in my dream, I knew who it was. Before he opened his mouth, and he said, the man looked at him and said, your wife loves you, your son loves you, but most importantly, I love you. And that man said he woke up scared out of his mind because he had heard the same message, exact same message three times. And the only thing he knew to do was to go find his wife and tell her what had happened and ask her, can you please explain this to me? And so he did exactly that. He sought out his wife. She explained to him what had happened. She laid out the gospel message, and this man became a follower of Jesus. Now, what this man had done was very, had been very public. Matter of fact, the police had caught him, questioned him. Why did you do it? Because she rejected Islam. Oh, okay, well, then you were in your right, and they let him go. So it was very public. And this man knew that. And so this man, he told his wife, he said, if you, will, if you will still have me, I want us to be remarried again. But this time I want us to be remarried under the banner of Jesus. And I want all people, everyone to know, our neighbors, everyone who knew about the situation, I want them to know that Jesus has restored my life and restored our marriage. Now, Imagine that woman and her son hadn't been obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That man still might be bound in darkness. This, this woman would be shamed in the eyes of her community as a divorced woman. The lives and families that have been reached because of this testimony would still be unreached. See, church, we must understand that responding to the Holy Spirit is not a matter of convenience. 
responding to the Holy Spirit is not a matter of convenience. It may very well determine someone's destiny, eternal destiny. So what are your expectations of the Holy Spirit in your life? When was the last time that the Holy Spirit prompted you to do something to approach someone? Did you refuse out of fear or did you go and do it and realize that God had already prepared the way? Let me get a little more personal since we're in a Pentecostal church. Do you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you? Church, right now, I cannot think of another time in my history. Some of you who are older than me, you might, you might know of other times. that, are, But I, cannot, I do not know of a single time since I have been alive where we are seeing such chaos and confusion and disorder, not only in our country, but around the world. I mean, we are living in a time right now that many times we are at a loss for words. And we're at a loss for words. The Bible is very clear what to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you because the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. So even when we don't know what to pray, and I promise you there have been times in 2020 that I have been at a loss on what to say when I get before God and begin to pray. And the Holy Spirit has to pray through me for a period until, the word, until he gives me words that I can utter myself. Church, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, if we will expect great things from the Holy Spirit, then he will do great things through us and in us. Again, for our good, for other people's good, but most importantly, for God's glory. But what are our expectations of the Holy Spirit? And then the third question I want to pose to you tonight is this. Are your expectations for following Jesus the same as his? Are your expectations for following Jesus the same as his? You know, at times our list of expectations for following Jesus might look something like this. We attend a couple of services a week, okay? Uh, we, we have a, a, a 15 to 20 minute devotional in, uh, in the morning, but it can be kind of hurried because, you know, it seems like we're always in a hurry. Uh, we, we have a, a hurried time of prayer before we rush out the door, you know, before, because we're late. Uh, we give our tithes. Uh, sometimes we give an offering. Uh, we invite, at times, our neighbors to church or our other family members to church, our colleagues to church. And while all of these things are good things to do, don't get me wrong, we should be doing all those things at the minimum. <laughs> Is that all that Jesus expects from us? In Luke chapter 14, I think Jesus gives us the most thorough explanation of what he expects of his disciples. In Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to start in verse 25 and just read a few verses. It's starting in verse 25, it says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then I'm skipping down to verse 33. Jesus says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. You remember there's a couple of times, uh, one time in Mark and one time in Luke, 
when, when Jesus told the rich young ruler, uh, sell everything and follow me. And what does the rich young ruler do? Does he sell everything and follow Jesus? He says he goes away sad. Now, church, I don't want you to do what I just read from Luke chapter 14. I know that y'all have read that many times yourself, probably. We all understand that God does not contradict himself. God's word does not contradict itself. So God is not telling, Jesus was not telling the people here that you should dishonor your mother and father, right? He's not saying you should not love your, your spouse, you should not love your children. But what Jesus is saying is here, your desire, your passion, your love for me should be so great that your desire and your love for them should pale in comparison. In these moments, what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, if you're truly my disciple, you are not your own. No possession, no relationship, not even your own life comes before the pursuit of knowing me more. And throughout Scripture, we see time and time again, people missing the opportunity to become one of Jesus' disciples because they let earthly things come before sitting at the feet of the eternal one. And if we're not careful, we, as followers of Jesus, can be guilty of the same thing. If we're not careful, we can give our time, our energy, our talents, our resources, uh, our finances to, to school, to home, to work, to our family. And then whatever is left, we offer to Jesus. I love my wife. She's been my best friend for over 25 years. I love my parents. I love my brother. I would lay down, I would physically lay down my life for them, and yet, and yet, they are not more important to me than Jesus. And my wife would say the exact same thing about me. I am not more important to her than Jesus. My relationship with Jesus is my most important thing. And it should be. To be the husband that he has called me to be, to be the follower that he has called me to be, his relationship, my relationship with him should be the most important thing in my life. See, what Jesus expects of his disciples, what Jesus expects of us is that we bring our time, we bring our talents, we bring our resources, we bring our energy, we bring our very lives in all of its completeness and fullness. We lay it down at his feet and then we say, okay, Jesus, what would you have me do with these things? Not that we bring him whatever we have left over and then say, Jesus, here you go. But we bring everything at the very beginning. We lay it down at his feet. We surrender it to him. And we say, okay, Jesus, what would you have me to do with this? During our years in the Middle East, uh, we've witnessed and known people who've risked loss of their livelihood, their family, their security, even their own lives for following Jesus. A few moments ago, I mentioned to you, I told you about a man named Rizik. Um, and Rizik, as I told you, he's now leading a national cell church fellowship in the Middle East where we used to live and serve. And I want to kind of tell you, tell you the rest of Rizik's story. Um, Rizik began smuggling Bibles into the local mosque in his area. Because every mosque uh, will have a library. Uh, and so he began to smuggle Bibles into the libraries of the mosque. And if you've never been to an Islamic nation, 
um, there's pretty much, there's a mosque within walking distance of every person. So there's a bunch of mosques in one area, okay? Well, Rizik was found out. Matter of fact, I can remember the day that I received a phone call uh, from a colleague, and he said, you need to begin praying for Rizik right now because he has been found out, and it's not good. And the persecution that begun right after that was not good. At this time, Rizik's wife and his two sons were not followers of Jesus. Men from the local community, from the local mosque, begin to visit Rizik in his home, and they begin to beat him, and they begin to threaten him. They begin to threaten his wife. They begin to threaten his children. He said on at least one occasion, they, they, they dragged him up to the roof of his apartment building, and they tied a rope around his neck, and they told him that if he did not reject Jesus, right now they were going to drop him off this roof. They were going to let him hang until his body until his neck rotted away from his body, and his body fell to the ground. Yet, yet during all of this, and this went on for several months, broken bones, severe beatings, threats on his wife's life, upon his children's life. During all this, Rizik never wavered in his faith in Jesus. And because of Rizik's faithfulness to Jesus, his wife and his two children are now followers of Jesus. His wife and his two sons, who are young men, are, are now followers of Jesus, and they are helping him in kingdom work. Because of Rizik's faithfulness to Jesus, the same men who brought great persecution against him are now followers of Jesus. Because of Rizik's faithfulness to Jesus, we can directly connect several thousand Muslims who are now followers of Jesus. In the very beginning of 2015, we knew of 45 to 50 cell group churches in this one particular area today there are over 750 cell group churches in this area and more are being added continually a great revival has begun in an area because one man said i'm willing to give everything for jesus because jesus is my everything even at the loss of my life or even more importantly at the loss of my wife's life in my children's life. Jesus is more important than that. Right now in the Middle East, we are seeing, and not only in the Middle East, but around the Muslim world, we are seeing the kingdom of God advanced, and the church is being asked to endure some pretty great persecution at times. By and large, we're not at that place yet here in America. We're not. To wear a mask, to say we can only be together in certain numbers, that's, that's not persecution. That's not that's annoying. It's inconvenient. But it's not persecution. But what Jesus is asking us to do is to daily be his disciple. To speak out for him. To speak out for him in our workplace. To speak out for him in our schools. To approach that person in Walmart that looks different from you. To cross the street to your neighbor. Church, you know this is better, probably better than I do because you're from this area. But I, but I am a firm, I firmly believe that just five miles from here, there are people who have probably never been given an adequate presentation of the good news of Jesus. They've heard things, some of it not right, correct, but they've never been given an adequate presentation. You know people right now in your lives who are hurt who are lonely, who are scared, who are confused, who are afraid. 
right now, in the last four months, we've seen more fear creep into the church than I've ever seen. It's up to us. It's up to us. It's up to us to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into their lives and to share with them hope. Because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? My wife said, you turn on the TV and there's no good news. Right? There's not. There's not. And so those people are not going to receive the good news that way. It's up to me and you to go into their lives, to see them in the midst of their fear and their loneliness and their brokenness, to come alongside them and say, hey, I love you. I'm here for you. Can I pray for you? Maybe Jesus is asking you to open your home to someone in need. Maybe he's asking you to to give more of your time and service to others. Maybe he's asking you to give up eating out as often, give up Netflix, to give up Amazon Prime. I don't know. Maybe he's asking you to give up things financially so that you can sow more into kingdom works. Maybe he's asking you to get a little crazy, to give or sell your possessions and move halfway around the world to a group of people who've never heard of Jesus, who've never heard of the love of Jesus. But whatever it is Jesus is asking you to do, whatever it may be, and only you can answer that, honestly. Whatever whatever it is he's asking you to do as his disciple, hear these words of Jesus. Listen Listen to this promise of Jesus. No one who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will fail to receive a hundred times as much in return. And this is the best part and will inherit eternal life. Church, what are we expecting from God's word? Are we giving God's word its rightful place in our lives? What are we expecting of the Holy Spirit in our life? And what are our expectations for following Jesus? Many times over the last, ever since we've been living overseas, and I've heard stories like Rizik's and many others, people, men and women who have risked their own lives, men and women who've, who've had their lives and their families' lives Family members' lives threatened. On more than one occasion, the thought has come to my mind. If someone threatened my life, if someone threatened my wife's life, what would I do? How would I respond? If someone dragged me up in an apartment building and put a noose around my neck and said, I'm going to allow you to hang and I'm going to kill your wife after this if you do not reject Jesus, how would I respond? And I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I would say, Jesus or nothing. But I'm not, but, but I'm not sure if early on in my walk with Jesus that I would have given the same answer. Why? Because Jesus has not always been my center. Even when I called myself a follower of Jesus, he was not always my center. But today I I can honestly say, yes, it's Jesus or nothing because I have made Jesus my center. 
Church, if you would, just bow your heads with me for a moment. There's nothing magical about bowing our heads. The only reason I'm asking you to bow your heads is it can kind of help us just focus in on the moment. And church, I just want to ask you, what, what are your expectations? We know we serve a great and mighty God. Do you expect great and mighty things from him? Heavenly Father, we have tasted of your goodness. And it has both satisfied us and made us thirsty for more. Heavenly Father, I want to want more of you. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. And then I just ask tonight, please begin a new, a, a new work of, of mercy and love within each and every one of us. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would give us continued grace day after day to rise from our human and finite expectations and follow more passionately after you. If you're here tonight and you would say, there's something I need to surrender to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. But there's something I need to give to him. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. I don't know. If you're here tonight, you would say, yes, I need to surrender something to him. Tonight, I encourage you, do just that. Lay it down at his feet. And give it to him. If you're here tonight, you would say, you know, one of these three areas you talked about tonight, I'm, I'm not doing so well in one of those areas. My expectations are not where they need to be, but I want them to be where they need to be. If you're here tonight, let me encourage you. Just, it's very simple. Ask the Lord. Lord, make your word have its rightful place. Help me to, to, to have your word at its rightful place in my life. Help me, Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit, to rely upon you more and more, to be obedient to your promptings. Jesus, help my expectations for following you line up with your expectations. It's very easy. We don't have to do this on our own. We just have to ask for help. And so tonight, if you're here and you need to surrender something to Jesus, or tonight if you're here and you need just help in one of those three areas, because I firmly believe those three areas we have seen with our own lives the last 15 years, those three areas are key to a great revival breaking out in many places around the world. And so we're not, I'm not going to prolong this any longer, but I'm just going to, just for just a few moments, stay where you're seated. If you want to get up and come to these altars, again, there's nothing magical about these altars except that at times, making that commitment to get up out of our seat and come forward is sometimes what, what is needed. I could ask you to go to the back of the, the church. You know, go to Fellowship Hall. 
at Pastor Rich's place. If you want to come up tonight, these altars, please do. If you would like prayer, I would love to pray for you. If you want to pray on your own, I understand. But for a few moments, Pastor Rich plays. We're just going to be quiet in our spirits. We're going to do a self-evaluation.
Stand up with me tonight while we just sing a couple more times at least. Come on, just raise your hands and tell him, I surrender. you 
to know you I've got to know you I surrender I've got to know I've got to know I surrender I've got to know you, Lord. I've got to know you, Lord. Like a rushing wind, Jesus, breathe within. Lord, have your way, Lord, have your way. Church, what are we going to do with this kind of stuff? You hear these powerful words? We just stay the same. Walk out here today and say, see y'all Sunday. Can't do that anymore, can we? You, you can't listen to words that like our brother gave us tonight and tell us what God is doing. And then he gives us the keys the expectations 
of his years of experience around the world. And we just can't walk out of here the same. We can't walk out of here with the same expectations that we walked in here with tonight. In the presence of God, man, how can we ever be the same again? We'll fight to be the same so we don't look like oddballs to the world instead of being the oddball that we are. you to pray for the rest of the week, every day. God, what is holding me back from completely surrendering? What is holding me back from surrendering? What is holding me back? Because we're having the revival services this week, right? That's basically the title of that service. So we put in the bulletin today. What's holding you back? What's stopping you? And these revival services are all about becoming free, breaking free from the chains of the things that hold us back. And tonight we were given some of the very keys that's going to start launching us into that. I want you to pray every day, God, what's stopping me from complete surrender? our online community. We're going to go ahead and sign off here, okay? Love you guys. Make sure you tune back in. If you're in Marksville area, make sure you come Saturday at 5. I'll walk down there, guys. Y'all can stay standing if you want to.